Welcome to Peds in a Podcast, where our team of specialists shares with you tips on all things health and development for your little ones. My name is Leanne Tran, and I'm one of the psychologists here at Peds in a Pod. We've talked to Dr. Tommy Tran about the role of a paediatrician. Today, we talk to paediatrician Dr. Ryan Eisman about how paediatricians can partner well with families. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thanks so much for joining me today, Ryan. You're welcome, Leanne. So we've talked before with, well, I've talked before with um, Tommy Tran, one of our paediatricians, about um, the role of a paediatrician. And so he's explained a bit about... um, you know, why you'd see a paediatrician rather than a GP mm-hmm. um, and how it fits with maybe some other subspecialists or allied health providers as well, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to hear from you today um, how you see it um, from your perspective, what the role of a paediatrician is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, I guess I can probably only really speak from the perspective of a, of a general paediatrician, yeah, so, so that's sure. that's a, a paediatrician who's had training in a range of different paediatric areas. Yeah. Um, most of the work that we do at Peds in a Pod anyway is all, um, well, not, not all, but most of it's focused on sort of behavioural and developmental concerns. Yeah. And so I guess I see I see my role probably has, has several different aspects, but a big part of it, I guess, is helping families, so kids and their, their parents, to have an understanding of what is going on in terms of the, the predicament of the child and the family um, and the context of, of that that situation. And then mm-hmm. sometimes it is about directing to other services if that's required, but a big part of it I see it as actually being being you know, a, 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 a sounding board sometimes and mm-hmm. a way of sort of trying to help them you know, appreciate and understand what's actually going on for them. Um, and, and sometimes that can be you know, quite powerful in and of itself. And it's also has a role in terms of advocacy, so being able to be a voice for them in certain contexts, like feeding back to, to school and other places as well. Um, but it um, depends very much on what they're coming with yes. too, I think. So it's not a, not a, not a one-size-fits-all answer to the question, I guess. But. Yeah, that's okay. I think things aren't when they're mm. – um, it's a big question, but it's a complex kind of topic as mm. well. Yeah. Um, so the, I mean, the other thing that a, that a paediatrician brings, and I'm – Maybe repeating what Tom has already said is, I guess, a, an understanding of medical things. So, so mm. we have the the perspective of of training in in physical illness, so issues to do with you know, the way the body's working. But, but you know, more and more in terms of the practice that, that I'm doing, I'm seeing a lot of it is about you know, the you know what's going on physically, but also understanding things related to psychological processes or family relationships or all of those things that that, that are influence you know why kids do what they do. Um, and then finding ways to help support families, um, which sometimes involves medication. Mm. Um, for me, it involves a lot of talking okay. and, <laughs> and, and waving my arms around and also sometimes involves diagnosing things. But I guess yeah. that's, to me, that's only part of the, the overall thing. Yeah. So you you talked about like what you bring to, um, to seeing families is that mm-hmm. medical knowledge and understanding, mm-hmm. um, which is you know, obviously correct, but I think also with in terms of um, behaviour and developmental differences and that kind of thing, that's that's typically something that can either be, um, if not medical or psychological, but that's based on um, kind of understanding of research of what kids are like and, and mm. how they develop and, and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. 
what what kind of um, I guess I'm interested to think about um, how you kind of help families um, understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I have a I guess a bit of a bit of a, a spiel that I often sort of start off with. You know, talking about there are two parallel ways of looking at it. One is, you know, what name do you give a particular thing that you see? And that's often, you know, where we, we go down the pathway of looking at diagnosis. But for me, the priority is more sort of understanding what, the, the, the whys of behaviour. So mm-hmm. why this particular child in this particular moment in this predicament they find themselves in is behaving the way that they are. Yeah. And I guess I often, when I'm meeting families, usually for the first time I see them, I try and encourage a, a framework that, that looks at things related to the physical, which I you know, call biological processes, um, things related to the psychological and things related to relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll try to talk them through the different ways that those factors are relevant to the behavioural outcome that they're seeing. And then the idea being that if you break it down like that, you can be looking at which lever to, to pull on to mm-hmm. try to change something. Um, so so the way, I guess the way that I, I think about that is from a biological point of view, we look at the way that someone's wired, so yeah. their genetic inheritance from their parents and how that leads to the development of their nervous system and certain tendencies toward different forms of behaviour. So some people are introverted, for example. Some mm-hmm. people are extroverted. Right. Some people are very stable and calm. Some people are much more labile and emotional. And you know, there are people that have different uh, tendencies toward the way they respond to um, things like sensory stimuli in the environment. So some people are really, really attuned to everything that's going on and get easily distracted by things. And other people are able to tune out everything except for that thing that they're focusing on with laser-like focus. Um, And so so we're sort of born with those tendencies. And then there are other things that influence the way in which our bodies function. So Mm -hmm. the classic three are sleep, diet, and exercise. Um, So if you're not getting enough sleep and you never use your body and you only eat really unhealthy processed foods, your physical functioning will be quite different to the Mm. way that it would be if you were sleeping appropriately in terms of the number of hours of sleep that you need, you're eating a range of healthy foods and you were getting regular physical activity every day. And then there are, I guess the other thing, pediatricians office is looking at physical illness. Mm. Um, So classic examples are there, things like iron deficiency or... um, or obstruction in the nose or throat leading to difficulties with with breathing and then difficulties with sleeping and I guess part of it is identifying those sorts of physical things that may be contributing. Yeah. Um, And then from a psychological point of view, it's your thoughts and your feelings, obviously, and then then how you go about approaching what you're wanting to do, how motivated you are to do what you're doing. And then in relationships, it's things about your family, your friends, your teacher, any other important people in your life. And... And I guess I always encourage people to try and think about that as a larger framework. So not just saying, you know, what's he got, you like, yeah. um, but actually thinking about, well, how do we understand you know, why this is all happening? Yeah. I think there's, um, it's really interesting to hear you talk because there's a lot of similarities to the way I think about things as mm-hmm. well. And, but particularly about behaviour is that, um, you know, when I talk about behaviour, I just, don't just mean, you know, being naughty. Mm. It's more behaviour in terms of is everything we do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it it's really what we see on the surface. So when I'm talking to families, I'm also trying to work out what's underlying yeah. the behaviour that we see. And that's very much, you know, the language that I, I use. I'm always talking about that there's always a reason why. And yeah. you know, I talk a lot about behaviour being a being a way of communicating something, yes. whether that be trying to connect with someone, 
um, sometimes that can be really done in a good way, sometimes not so positive, mm. or whether it's um, it's it's a it's a you know it's a cry for for help or understanding, or or is it is it is there a reason that can be identified? And usually that's a multifactorial reason. Like there's never one single explanation for why something happens. But but yeah, and, and, and behavior is what you see. But looking at what's driving it, I guess, is really important from my perspective to help sort of inform an approach that you take. And I often encourage. Um, parents to to take a pause before they try and fix anything to actually mm. be saying well we need to slow down and actually understand what what does this mean what's this about what yeah. do we what do we see how do we make sense of what's going on it's easy for me to say that in my yeah. ivory tower obviously in the, in, the, in the heat of the moment you know I, I always say too you know I, I sometimes yell at my kids yeah. and then feel bad about it afterwards but but it, but obviously no one is perfect and the other thing about our behaviors um, is that we're all Creatures of habit, so we'll tend to do the same thing that we've learned to do in the in the past, and and it's a big part of it's trying to help people come to terms with that realization and be accepting of, of that tendency, and then looking at ways, you know, as as parents, you know, we're the, the the bigger people, if you like, so finding finding ways to actually you know, be be taking stock of our own emotional reactivity first, yeah, and then looking at what can we do to try and help guide and direct and shape the behaviors of those. You know, people in our lives are really important to us like our kids yeah that's right it it made me think of a couple of things when you were talking and um oh now the one I've just gone to mention has slipped out of my head Uh, that's all right um I so I guess you know thinking about behavior and then that's what we see um there's stuff going on underneath Mm -hmm. and like you you mentioned about how it is multifactorial and that's right like psychology um, as psychologists, we approach it from thinking about, um, you know, what skills kids need, what mm-hmm. they um, don't have, uh, sorry, the skills they don't have, um, the needs they're trying to get met. Because like you said, um, it, there's always a function to behaviour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it always serves a purpose. Yeah, and I guess on, on that on that point too, like that, in terms of skills that they have, I always encourage parents to to meet their kids where they're at mm-hmm. and, and be trying really hard to let go of the sometimes you know really uh, challenging and unrealistic expectations of other people in their children's lives like the classic example i guess is is school so if you have a child who's for whatever reason struggling at school and then there's an expectation that they they sh- should be at a particular level and they're not there the only way to help them get there is not to you know magic it there and, and yeah. put more pressure on them, actually to go back to where they are start from that point and then gradually try to build which takes time and takes yeah. energy and and takes effort and yeah. and it doesn't unfortunately it doesn't come with any shortcuts a lot of the time yeah and that's reminded me what I was going to say before which was the um I I was listening to an audio book recently and they were talking about um a piece of advice which was to spend um 90 percent of your time trying to understand the problem Mm -hmm. and then the last 10 percent in trying to fix it so and I guess the, the fascinating thing about that is that if you stop trying to fix and actually be with, be present, be be open to to seeing what's going on, I mean, because that, that there's a there's a funny thing about the whole way that our relationships with our with our loved ones and and, and important attachment figures in our lives work is that if we're if we're able to be present and and foster the attachment, often the the behaviour. Will, will will follow, um, yeah. and so things like you know, I mean, the, the idea of, of of being present, showing up, you know, being 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 aware, and and seeing and holding, psychologically speaking, your children, um, they'll often follow your lead. Then you don't have to manage behaviour because they'll just 
And that, that, that the way that relationship works, if the relationship's humming, is working really well. You don't have to force anything to occur. It just happens naturally because that's the way that we're, we're built. Yeah. It doesn't right. always work because there's also, you know, breakdown and rupture and stuff that happens as well. But Yeah, but I think, you know, nothing ever works well. I mean, when we're talking about parenting and and guiding behaviour, there's nothing that works 100% of the time. No, unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> it, it would be great if it was, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. Um, but the other thing too is that, yeah, we, we say a lot in psychology, I guess, to think about the connection before mm. correction. So yep. really yep. joining in and, and I guess um, focusing on the relationship with your child so that they've got a reason to, mm. to want to do the right thing. Yeah. And there's lots of little ways that you can do that. You know, just again, it's about slowing down and, and noticing first is a big part of it. But you know, spending spending time in rather than time out, but actually you know, sharing enjoyment with particular activities and and acknowledging that you you are psychologically seeing the child again, that you're aware of what's going on for them, that you're you're present, that you notice the good things when they happen, yep. that you you try and understand their point of view, like what put yourself in their shoes first before you try to. Yeah, fix or direct. Yeah. Um, but again, I mean, I know it's very easy to say all this. I totally appreciate that it's not something that you can just do that requires a lot of practice and a lot of effort. Yeah, it does. And, and like you said before, that we tend to do, we're creatures of habit, we tend mm -hmm. to do what we know. But then um, often I think that's interesting when we apply it to our kids, you know, if, um, say, for example, like you mentioned yelling at your kids. I yelled at mine this week. Mm -hmm. I, that's something I want to change. Um, but I know, I think about how, you know, um, if I'm asking my kids to change their behaviour, if I can't change my own, you know, that, or, or how hard it is to change my own should mm. should give me insight into how hard it is for my kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think probably the onus is more on me as a parent, um, as this kind of fully developed person to do the changing rather than um expect something like that of yeah. my kids I'm, I'm looking for that moment when i can feel fully developed but, um, <laughs> no, but it's um it's um it's yeah i mean i think it, it's much like they sort of say too that, that there's only one person that you have any potential to have really control over and that's yourself you can do things mm -hmm. to try to influence people but you can't make your children do things. It's about sort of saying, well, yeah, I, yeah, appreciating that we all do things because we, we're not thinking about it and, and we have greater capacity in adulthood to be actually reflecting on what we're doing because of yeah. that brain process of brain development, which is an ongoing process through life. But they say, you know, the, the number keeps getting later, but your frontal lobe that's sort of inhibiting and controlling and directing your behaviour doesn't mature till you're 30 these days, um, again, like I say, I'm not sure if mine's there yet, but <laughs> but it's um it's just that process of, of of reflection. I think that you have much greater capacity to do that as an adult than what you do as a as a seven year old mm. or you know any, any sort of age. Yeah, and so when um when I'm talking to families about behaviour too, like it's a com really complex thing, but generally any kind of plan that I might. Um, come up with or, or come up with jointly with parents, it's always mediated by the people in the child's life mm. because they're the ones actually acting it out. Um, so I know you've mentioned a few things already, but do you have um, some tips or advice that you commonly give parents about how to think about that or what, yeah. what they can do to connect and be helpful? Well, I guess, I mean, I, I often often will say that, that it's very difficult to give a clear answer. So mm. so I'm, I'm my I'm feeling about it. it's very I'm the wrong person to talk to if you want to do do A, do B, do C, and that'll sort of fix everything. That's not how I, I view it at all. But it's, it's often about trying to empower yeah, parents to be be thinking about 
what, what, yeah, what, understanding what's going on. As I yeah. So I often talk about, about those sorts of things. So stopping, taking stock of your own emotional reactivity first. And I yeah. often, often do this as I'm saying that's so actually being aware of what, what you're experiencing and then trying to slow things down. And the yeah. other thing, because I always talk with my hands, is I'm always doing this. So you want to be a container mm. for what's going on for your child. So your child's got all this stuff. Yeah. You want to be, and they say in the circle of security, um, you, know, you want to be bigger, wiser, stronger, and kind. Yeah. And that's what you aim for. Um, and uh, my, my wife has a has a saying that I've I've um, sort of stolen. appropriated, <laughs> stolen. Yeah. So, um, but that's that's a be be brave, be curious, be kind. And mm. that's sort of the, the, I mean, so the, the aim is to try from my point of view, not to say do the following three things because everybody's context is different. Yeah, and so you can't, right. you can't say this is going to work. I mean, if people come with a particular problem, I might talk to them in more detail about that. Yes. But it's about the intention. So the intent that you have to actually be present to, you know, that there's, there's lots of, lots of stuff that gets written about, you know, the, the, the benefits of, of showing up and being present it relates to being being mindfully aware of what's going on and all those sorts of issues but but I, I probably prefer that approach as opposed to saying there's a here's a here's a particular behavior to do because then yeah. what that soon becomes is very often that you, you hear you know well we tried that it didn't work yes um, and and often you know, that that's just a fact that, that like we were saying before you're a creature of habit so if you've been practicing doing something in a particular way for five years it's very difficult to expect that to change really quickly and you have yeah. to commit to actually changing things gradually over time i think and build new habits yeah and in the same way that you i'm saying saying before you know, you've got to meet your child where they're at it's also you know the, the parents being being able to meet themselves where they're at too so being being forgiving and kind to yourself yeah i think yeah um, but I'm, I could be randomly waffling too. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, I think so. Uh, no, you weren't waffling. And it gave me a good answer because um, I guess for you my my question about tips was that it's not really like that. And, and maybe that's why people are saying too that, you know, I tried that and it didn't work because to give people advice about the kind of steps or behaviours to do when there could be a million different right mm. answers is really hard. Yep. So for you, it's more about giving them a way to think about it yep. and and think for themselves so, along those lines. Yeah, so they, so they can come up with a solution for themselves that they own that is theirs. Um, and it's yep. not not me telling them you should do this because in some ways, you know, it's a bit like what what I'm asking them to be to their children. Your your role is to be that that holding environment for what they're experiencing too. Yeah. So so I don't think you know, it's a bit like me saying you must do this is not actually. It's almost repeating the same concern that they have about what they're doing with their kids sometimes. Yeah, so, sure. Does that make sense? I don't know if I said that very well. But be, yeah. being able to, um, yeah, to, to, to take stock and, and, and be adaptable as you need to be in that moment in time yeah. with a positive intent that's about connecting, you know, before you redirect behaviour, about you know, sharing enjoyment and joy in the whole kind of concept of having kids yeah. Um, and understanding from their perspective what's causing them to do what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and and so for parents it's about doing that for their kids and it sounds like to bring it full circle <laughs> for you as a paediatrician is kind of to do that for a family. Yeah, and and also, you know, with I think with humility, like sometimes you, you, you don't do it as well as you would like to and there's never never an easy answer. And sometimes it's very hard to work out what drives something that's happening, but it's about the intention to want to understand. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Mm. 
it's not a it's not a simple one size fits all thing. I well, think not that's, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and not for kids either. It's mm. complex. So yeah, um, I think um, it was great to have you today talk to us because I think it's really. Um, you know, provided a much more in-depth explanation of how paediatricians partner with families and how they actually fill out that role. Um, So thanks so much for joining us. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Peds in a Podcast. If you found listening to us useful, we have plenty of resources on our website, including blogs, articles and videos. If there's a topic not covered that you'd love to hear about, you can get in touch with us on our website. Visit us at pedsinapod.com.au.